It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Emily Campagno. I'm Guy Benson. I'm Shannon Bream, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, July 22nd, 2022. I'm Eben Brown. A breakthrough, maybe, as Turkey secures a way for Ukraine to export its wheat beyond Russian blockades to again help feed needy nations. Millions of people depend on Ukrainian grain that counts for 10% of the world wheat and grain. And so it's important to get this stuff out. There's a humanitarian crisis. This is the Fox News Rundown War on Ukraine. Hey folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie. Formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services. Marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Ukraine historically has been known as the breadbasket. Its agriculture sector, mainly its wheat production, is unparalleled. And it has long been the go-to source to provide affordable food for nations in Africa and the Middle East where growing conditions and economies have left whole populations on a constant verge of famine. But Russia's war and surrounding Ukraine's key Black Sea ports have meant Ukraine couldn't make deliveries. Russia had stood fast despite international pleas, but now Turkey has had some success. For months now, the United Nations, led by the U.N. Secretary General, has been pushing Russia to allow Ukraine to export some 22 million tons out of the country. Lucas Tomlinson is our Fox News correspondent stationed in country in Ukraine, where he talks with leaders and soldiers and volunteers alike. He speaks to us from the capital city of Kiev. This grain has been in silos. It's been Pearside in Odessa, Ukraine's largest port. Uh, but the Russians, of course, have warships and submarines and have been blockading uh, Ukraine's ports for the last five months since the start of the invasion. In fact, there's been no trade, no commerce at sea since the start of this invasion. So, uh, as you mentioned, you know, whether it's Africa or the Middle East, millions of people depend on Ukrainian grain that counts for 10% of the world's 
wheat and grain. And so it's it's important to get this stuff out. There's a humanitarian crisis. And the U.N. Secretary General uh, today in Istanbul, when he announced the deal uh, after the signing, said, that, you know, there's a landmark agreement and said that, you know, millions have been waiting for months. Uh, and, and this goes even the high price of grains goes even before the war because of, of droughts uh, worldwide. So it's a it's a very big deal. However, it should be noted that, you know, people are cautiously optimistic. The State Department's been very clear while it welcomes the agreement. Uh, they want to see it implemented. And there, none of the ships out of Ukraine, the cargo ships full of grain, are going to be leaving port for a number of weeks. Uh, of course, uh, just to go over the outline of the agreement, the, the Russians are allowing Ukraine to export uh, it's grain, but it's going to go to Turkey first, where it's offloaded, and then it will travel uh, to different ports around the world. And then those empty cargo ships will return to Ukraine. But the Russians are very wary. They want to make sure there's no weapons being smuggled back in the country. Now you may be wondering, what, what's in it for Russia? Well, Russia also has grain to export and fertilizer. And since the war began, Turkey has closed uh, the Bosphorus Strait, which, of course, opens up the Black Sea to the world. And so that's one of the reasons uh, Turkey was a broker in this agreement, along with the United Nations. In fact, the deal was signed uh, in Istanbul Friday. It should be noted the Ukrainian representative, as well as uh, the Russian representative, who happened to be the defense minister, Sergei Shoigu, which a lot of people took note that it was not Sergei Lavrov, the country's top diplomat. Uh, it says a lot about uh, you know the fact that this is not a ceasefire and that these are these are wartime conditions. But it's definitely noted that the, the Russians sent their, the head of its military to sign this um, agreement. Again, it is not a, a ceasefire, but it does appear that it, it's some progress, uh, certainly when it comes to, to exports. Because right now, you know, Russia is not just uh, squeezing Ukraine on the battlefield, but also economically. I mean, of course, you know, there's no tourism, there's no airliners, there's no, nobody's visiting this country, there's no flights in here, and certainly the trade has been... And that has been decimated. Only a fraction of this grain has been allowed, you know, to be able to leave the country via rail, via truck. But of course, 90 percent of the world's commerce is by sea. So when you look at the size of these container ships, uh, much easier to export uh, materials by sea rather than by land. But uh, you know, certainly, it's not. We're not there yet. There's a, certainly a, a major breakthrough. State Department is looking forward to seeing how it develops, but no ships. So it'll be weeks before the ships can make it out to sea, but, uh, um, you know, it's progress. Let's talk a bit more about Turkey's role here. Uh, Turkey is a NATO nation. Uh, it does have somewhat of a love-hate relationship with the West. It has ties to Russia and ties to Iran, uh, although not necessarily full-fledged friends of those two nations. But they seem to be the ones that uh, flex the diplomatic and 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 um, uh, negotiating muscle here. So uh, this is good for Turkey as much as it is good for Ukraine and good for the the rest of the world uh, in terms of getting this grain out, isn't not? That's right. I mean, it's a busy week for Turkey's president Tayyip er- Erdogan. He, you know, earlier this week he was in Iran alongside uh, the leader of Iran and Russian President Vladimir Putin. Now here he is in Istanbul hosting uh, really the first breakthrough of the war. Again, it's not a ceasefire. However, it is allowing Ukraine to export uh, in the beginning of some 22 million tons. So, so this is 
this is good news. However, it should be noted, uh, you know, the Russians, probably not a coincidence, fired a number of cruise missiles into Odessa, Ukraine's largest port, earlier this week. And uh, that this is something that, you know, it needs to be worked through. Odessa is heavily mined. Uh, you know, there are some, uh, you know, waterways that have been cleared of those mines to be able to, you know, for Ukrainian pilots to get these, uh, you know, these cargo ships out to sea. But this is a very, very dangerous, very tense situation. Uh, you know, Russian submarines uh, fired cruise missiles into central Ukraine uh, last week into Venezia, which, you know, killed almost two dozen people, including uh, that four-year-old girl, Lisa, whose uh, funeral made uh, global news. So uh, there's, there's a lot that needs to be remains to be seen. However, your question has been about, you know, Turkey's role in all this. You know, Turkey, it's a delicate balance. You know, they have, you know, the U.S. military keeps nuclear warheads in Turkey. It is a Air Force base. Uh, they're a NATO ally. However, and, and the Ukrainians are using Turkish drones to strike Russian positions. Yet at the same time, uh, Turkey is seen as, as kind of an intermediary uh, in this conflict. Um, you know, they're hosting talks. They're, they're uh, you know, the president's going to Iran. He's meeting with, with the Russian president. So, um, you know, people are just trying to, to make gains. And, and, you know, many are optimistic that, you know, hopefully this, this leads to some more talks down the road. However, you know, it should be noted while all this was going on, the CIA director in Aspen, Colorado, uh, some very sobering uh, statistics saying the Russians have lost some 15,000 soldiers in just five months of this war. That equals the amount of soldiers the, the Soviet military lost in Afghanistan in its 10-year war in the 1980s. Uh, some 45,000 Russian soldiers have been wounded here in Ukraine. Uh, however, you know, he also had some sobering news about the Ukrainian forces, said you know, their casualties are only a little less than that and that they've taken significant losses. So uh, th- this is a brutal, brutal war. Russia continues to gain, uh, it sounds a little cliche, but, you know, inch by inch, mile by mile in Donbass. Uh, they certainly hold more territory now than they did at the start of the invasion. They control more than 20 percent of this country. And there's really no sign uh, that they're going to stop. Uh, however, some note of optimism from uh, the CIA director's counterpart, the head of MI6, Britain's Foreign Intelligence Service, at the same conference in, in Colorado, said that he thinks the Russians are going to lose out of st- uh, run out of steam. We heard also from top Pentagon leaders that uh, Ukrainians need more ammunition, that the Russians might be running out of steam, but the Ukrainians are running out of ammo. And it's not just about High Mars launchers, we heard from the defense secretary that four more are heading to this country, which will bring the total to 16. These are these satellite-guided uh, rocket launchers that have uh, really uh, struck a, a chord with the Russians. They've, they've destroyed over 100 major targets, we're hearing from Pentagon leaders. However, it's noted that none of these uh, High Mars, these advanced, you know, really pinpoint-accurate rocket launchers can be used to strike targets in Russia. And the Russians know this is why they're firing missiles into Ukraine from Russia. Uh, they know they're off-limits. That's why they're firing from, into Kharkiv, Ukraine's second-largest city, from the town of Belgorod, just over the border. Um, so the, the, there's a lot going on right now, but it, it, it appears right now that uh, while the Ukrainians are not losing, they certainly aren't gaining. They're not able to launch uh, their 
you know, a full counter assault into Crimea, into Donbass, into these Russian-controlled territories. Uh, the Russian gains are coming at a very high cost, as we heard with, with just you know, 15,000 soldiers dead. It's, you almost can't even fathom. Uh, you know, that's, that's over twice as many uh, people that were killed in Iraq and Afghanistan over the past two decades. I mean, the numbers are just astronomical, uh, but that's where we stand right now. You've been listening to Fox News correspondent Lucas Tomlinson. He is once again reporting from Kiev here on the Fox News Rundown War on Ukraine. We'll have more with Lucas straight ahead. As you mentioned, the, the, the Turkish negotiating of a deal for uh, uh, for that grain export, it's it's not a ceasefire. And because of that, we are is or they are where you've just described. They are still meaning the two sides are in the thick of a very brutal war. The, the numbers of casualties are truly staggering, as you mentioned. Uh, and it, it looks like no side is willing to say that they, they've had enough or that they've lost. Uh, it doesn't look like Russia is willing to say, all right, this is too difficult, this is taking too long, we're not getting anywhere, uh, we're not getting anywhere quickly. Uh, and on the other side, the Ukrainians are saying, you know, we'll, we'll talk a ceasefire once you're willing to withdraw. Uh, which, for again, it's just both sides of, of non-starters. Um, is there, from your reporting, from your talking to people, uh, is there any optimism that maybe both sides would give a little just to be able to, to maybe even broach the subject of a ceasefire? One thing I've heard from officials this week on the ground here in Ukraine, Evan, is that come October... When the foliage disappears, it's going to be much harder for both armies to hide. Uh, you know, both sides are using drones to sight in their artillery. Yes, many uh, are just using uh, video cameras, using IR sights, infrared. Uh, so you think the foliage doesn't make a difference. But for a defensive uh, position force that the Ukrainians are, it, it will make a difference because this won't be able to hide as well. So. Uh, when, when the director of MI6 says that uh, he thinks Russia's lo- losing steam uh, between the ammunition, between the fall, there are some signs that the, the Russians could lose some momentum and that they won't be making the advances they're making. That's one of the reasons uh, officials say that there's a little pause right now, that the Russians are reorganizing, they're rearming. Uh, they're getting ready for one more major push uh, before the fall when the temperatures drop dramatically. I mean, right now it's about you know, 75 to 80 degrees in Ukraine, uh, fairly pleasant weather-wise. But come fall, uh, those temperatures plummet. Uh, we remember the weather played a big role in the invasion. People were talking about you know, the ground being frozen. What I'm hearing now is that uh, a big thing will be just be the foliage. And when the leaves fall off the trees, it just prevents... Uh, both sides from hiding. Uh, and it should be noted that uh, while you don't think about this being a drone war, really what both sides are using for their targeting are drones. And uh, both Ukrainian and Russian drones, they, they usually only last a couple of missions before they're shot down uh, or jammed. Uh, while there's been a lot of people wondering where's the Russian electronic warfare, the jamming, putting this country dark, putting heat dark, uh, what you are seeing on the battlefield of the Russians bringing down Ukrainian drones. Lucas Tomlinson, Fox News correspondent in Kiev for us. Thank you once again for being with us on the Fox News Rundown War on Ukraine. Evan, always a pleasure to join you. 
You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.